Hi, I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Welcome to Fearless, helping you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. Welcome back to Fearless. I hope you all had a wonderful summer. Summer has come to an end. I guess it has in my family as my kids started back to school. I told you in the last episode I was going to take a a break from Fearless and enjoy my summer, be intentional with my kids. Every summer we live up in Alaska and we work at Samaritan Lodge Operation Heal Our Patriots, which we are going to talk a little bit about that in this episode. But We were supposed to be back earlier to get my kids in school, and unfortunately, my whole entire family, my kids, my husband, we tested positive for COVID, and it was a long couple weeks, and we finally made it back home and got my kids settled and got them into school. But um, we did. We had a really good summer. I told you I was going to be intentional with my kids, and we were. We just enjoyed every moment of the summer. And I didn't even turn on the news. I watched the Olympics some, but being out in the bush of Alaska, I didn't even turn on my news. I wasn't on social media a whole lot. I posted a little bit. I've even had some of y'all send me messages that you miss me on social media. Um, I just really enjoyed that. But however, just the last week or so in the news, everything seems so heavy and it's been hard to process what we watched was going on in Afghanistan when we saw what happened in Haiti with the earthquake, um, the Delta variant, everything just, it's a really hard week. I know for me, it, like most people, it was pretty emotional watching the news. And so I had a, I have a really special guest in the next upcoming episode, um, but I'm going to save that because I felt like we needed to address some of these things that we're facing because I do think we're in some difficult times and some scary times, but I do have another guest. I guess he's pretty special too to me, my dad, Franklin Graham. So welcome, dad. Well, thank you, sissy. It is uh, always good to be with you. Well, dad, I know you and I were up in Alaska. You brought me up here for the first time when I was eight years old. And I think I've pretty much come back almost every summer since. I know you've come back every summer since. So this is a pretty special place for our family. But in the last 10 years, we've had Operation Heal Our Patriots. And, um, you know, the last couple of years, we've had to navigate through COVID. And even this past week, had some difficult times with some of our staff, including me and my family, getting sick. And I'm very thankful. My dad took very good care of of us and brought us dinner every single night. So I'm very thankful, but we've had to navigate that. But um, tell those who are listening a little bit about Operation Heal Our Patriots. Well, I think, uh, Sissy, I was just concerned 10 years ago that we needed to do something for our wounded warriors, uh, our soldiers uh, who had been wounded in battle, guys that had lost legs or arms or eyes or brain damage, and um, bring them to Alaska where we could have a chance to focus on healing them and bring in their spouse because it's not just the warrior, but it's the spouse, it's the, the military family. So we looked at what we could do. We thought, well, let's just find a place that there's something available uh, where we could bring them and uh, take them fishing, take them bear viewing, but work on their marriages. Lodge was for sale here, uh, gone bankrupt and his little, when I say a lodge, it's a little fishing lodge. It wasn't very fancy. But um, we were able to buy from the bank, and it took two years to refurbish it. And then we opened 10 years ago. And 
bringing these, uh, the, the first group that came in were all Delta Force guys. And, uh, and some of them were fairly, fairly famous. And uh, then each week uh, we've had a different group. Every, every group is different. Uh, sometimes these couples get off the plane fighting, uh, cursing each other. You know, what happens normally is that someone in the couple, one of the two, uh, signs up for this, but the other didn't sign up for it. Then they find out about it. Then they get mad. But, but then they say, okay, we'll go to Alaska because it's a free trip. And then when we get home, we'll divorce. But each week we see not only marriages restored, because we have the, these two, uh, we usually have two to three chaplains here. These would be military chaplains, um, guys that served in either the Army, the Air Force, the Marines, or Navy, whatever. And uh, these chaplains are just men of God who pray with them and uh, share the Word of God. And, and, but more importantly, uh, they actually are, confront them. Where do you stand before God? And are your sins forgiven? And uh, are you ready to, to meet God? And some of these guys um, have never been confronted with that. And uh, we, so each week we see uh, marriages uh, where the husband or the husband and wife come to faith in Christ. And then we baptize them right here in, in the Lake Clark. It's kind of cold. But, and so this, they're serious. It's not a warm baptismal pool. It's just a cold lake that um, just a few weeks ago still had ice in it. So it's a, um, uh, it, it's a unique ministry. And we, this year we, um, we started a week earlier. We're going uh, several weeks later. We're going up to the 1st of October. And it'll be, it'll be cold in October. But that's okay. We're not bringing up here necessarily for vacation. We want to work on their lives and work on their marriages. And if it's cold weather, we'll probably have more opportunity to do that inside. <laughs> and uh, so we're, uh, we're grateful that God has given us this opportunity. He's provided this, this lodge we call Samaritan Lodge Alaska. And it's uh, just a, a haven for the wounded warriors of our nation. I just think over the last couple years, what a privilege it is to see some of these families you, you've talked about. They get off the plane. They've come up here. Many of them have been fighting because I think Satan's attacked them before they've come up here. And by the end of the week, you've seen uh, miracles of the heart that only God could do. Men and women who stand their marriages on the truth of God at the end of the week. And it's just been really, I'm just thankful to be able to witness it over the last few years. But this year, Samaritan's Purse has partnered with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association is hosting two weeks up here for law enforcement, that we've never done that before, so we've had two weeks dedicated to law enforcement. Tell us about that. Well, we realize that the law enforcement, the men and women in blue of this country, are under uh, an unusual attack, and where they're wanting to defund our police, and those police departments, they're wanting to uh, cut the number of police down so uh, those that are working have to work longer hours and it's just more dangerous, more stressful. And in many communities, they're not, the, the city officials don't stand behind the men and women in blue. So what we've done this, this year, we're bringing up the soldiers, the police that have been wounded. So everyone that comes up here has to have been wounded. And so the police that are coming that have been wounded in the line of duty, and they come from all of the United States, and what we found is that the needs in their marriages are the same. Uh, it's a very difficult, very stressful environment for the police officers and uh, for their families. And so we bring the husband and the spouse 
And uh, we do the same thing. We take them fishing, bear viewing, but then we spend about three hours a day in marriage enrichment classes. And I think uh, this is something we'll continue to do and maybe even expand a little bit more. The difference between the soldier and the police officer, uh, the soldier, his, his duty is finished uh, as far as um, his commitment to the military. Uh, with a police officer, uh, when, they, when they leave here, they go right back to the streets, right back to their work, and it's not over for them. So we're just looking for a way to support the police, let them know that we love them and care for them, and try to help them save their marriages. You think of the police officers, their spouse, they send their spouse out on a deployment every day. They go every night or every day they go out and leave their house. They're basically going on a deployment and facing all of that. As we're up here in Alaska, when you're in your cabin, we're looking across Lake Clark and uh, National Park here, and it's just beautiful. And I, I feel like for my family in this summer, it's been a little bit of a, a safe haven. And when you watch the news all around, um, from Haiti to Afghanistan to COVID and the Delta variant, and I just know a lot of people, just fear has struck people again. You know, 2020, we faced a lot of fear, and I feel like we're kind of right back there. There's fear, there's anger, there's confusion in the world. But what would you say to all of that that people are facing with worry and concern when we look at the world? Well, I don't have hope, Sissy, for the world in which we live. My hope is in God, and it's not in our political leaders and the United Nations or whatever. Uh, my hope is in God. And But we do know that... Um, as long as we're in this world, we want to try to make a difference. We want to be salt and light in this dark world. We want to be an example for Christ. We want to reach out and love people and care for people and do it in the name of Jesus Christ so that we can win people to Christ. And that's what we're called to do. Jesus told us to go into all the world to make disciples of uh, all nations and to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The, that command is still in, in force. Uh, he has not rescinded that, that order. We're to go into the world. And so is the world falling apart? This week it seems like it's maybe falling apart a little quicker in certain areas. We've seen Afghanistan fall. We see uh, earthquakes in uh, Haiti. Uh, we see the Delta variant uh, seems to be out of control in many communities in the United States. Uh, Samaritan's Purse, we've responded with a hospital down to Mississippi. Uh, we put a hospital also in uh, Haiti at uh, Lakai where the local hospital was destroyed, and, and uh, we've got 56 people down there on the ground right now working at Lakai, and uh, we'll have that um, hospital up and running the next day or so. And uh, again, it's just another opportunity to reach out. Afghanistan, we're working with other organizations that are trying to get families and loved ones and people that had Afghans that had worked with American missionaries and so forth, they're trying to get them out. So... We'll do what we can do. But at the end of the day, we have to trust trust God and just ask that God would not only guide us and direct us, but uh, that his will would prevail. When you, Dan, you've been in situations all around the world over the last 40 years, you have faced evil situations where y'all have responded and dire situations. Tell us about a time that you, a situation you might have been into a country where you knew God led Samaritan's Purse, and he showed up and helped y'all serve the people in that country. What's a story that comes to your mind? Well, I think of working with Sammy Dagger in Lebanon. Uh, no question. I think uh, during the Civil War in Lebanon, when uh, 
the country was going through such a dark period, uh, and for us to be able to go in and help uh, Sammy Dagger and a uh, little church there in Caratina. Uh, and, of course, uh, Lebanon is still a mess, and it's still in, in, in great trouble. And yet we're still working there still, and the church there at Caratina has grown, has expanded and multiplied. And, uh, and so even though politically in Lebanon things are a mess, uh, but spiritually, we see the work, the Lord's work continue. And I think of going into uh, northern Iraq, working in the Kurdish areas, how God, no question, has just opened up doors for us to work among the Kurds and, uh, and given us favor with them. And we just thank God, again, for that opportunity. And I, I can just look back and I can just see God's hand at every step. You know, some places we go, it seems like sometimes God just closes the door, too. You know, that that's, we go in and try, and but yet it just doesn't seem right. And uh, we just have to sometimes stop and back up and, and uh, maybe move another direction. But that doesn't, just because we, we have barriers, doesn't mean we quit. We don't stop. We just shift and maybe go a different direction. And I think with COVID, uh, for ministry, none of us had planned for COVID. And when COVID came, for the first time in history, the world was shut down. Uh, for the first time in history of mankind, we began quarantining healthy people, locking down healthy people. We've never done that in, in, in the history of the world. We always lock down the sick, quarantine the sick, but we don't quarantine the healthy. The whole world is locked down. Never had that happen before. And so, you know, we just look out and we just realize, okay, what can we do? Well, when COVID hit, we got a call from Italy. Would we come to northern Italy? with one of our hospitals. Yeah, we'll come there. Well, how do we get the hospital there? Well, we've got a cargo plane, uh, DC-8. Well, we'll load up the cargo plane. Where can we get it to land? <laughs> you know, we have to have a clearance. And uh, so much of these, so many of the, the airports were closed. Well, there was a NATO base, and the head of that NATO base was a, an American. And uh, God just, and he was a Christian, and, and, and God used him to open up the door. And we got uh, the plane landed. Uh, the Italian military came in with their trucks and carried the hospitals to Cremona and then helped our people set up the hospital. And within about three days, we're up and running in Cremona. And the hope that that gave the people in Northern Italy that somebody came to them and helped them. And they came from America and the fact that we were Christians willing to put our life in jeopardy to come help them uh, meant everything in the world to the people of Cremona. And then just the next week, we got a call from New York. Would you come to New York? And uh, they ended up putting us in Central Park, right across the street from Mount Sinai Hospital. Wonderful people to work with. And again, God just did that. And so we weren't focused on, on that. That year we had other plans, but all of a sudden we just shifted. Okay, we can still do ministry, but it's now a little bit different. We're doing these field hospitals. And we have one outside the United States in Italy and one inside the United States in New York. And then as the, the virus shifted going across the country, we ended up working in the Indian reservations. We were in Los, Los Angeles County, the Bahamas. And it's just places that we never dreamed that we would be or go. Um, God has opened up doors. And uh, every place we go, we've been able to do in Jesus' name and been able to lead people to Christ and be a witness and be a testimony. So I just think, Dizzy, when, when 
the world's falling apart and people are afraid and don't know what to do, just look to God. And for people in ministry, don't quit. Don't just sit on your hands and say, oh, well, there's nothing we can do. Of course there's something. We can all do something. We just may have to shift our focus and do something a little bit differently. I think when this past uh, couple weeks and we look at what's happened in Afghanistan, and of course we're reminded that we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Yep. That's really, it's hard to believe. It's been 20 years because everybody in the world knows where they were that day when they heard the news, saw the Twin Towers fall. I can remember being in high school and watching it. You, just a couple days after 9-11, were there on Ground Zero. Tell us about that. Well, in, in New York, so many people were, were looking for loved ones. And you had these two towers collapse. There were thousands of people missing. And people were hoping that, that there were you know, hundreds and hundreds of people that were still alive. You know, maybe they were, maybe they ran out of the building and didn't know where they were going and just got lost on the streets of New York. And so there were loved ones looking for their loved ones. And they would hold up pictures of a man or woman. And as you drive by, they would hold out these pictures, hoping that maybe you would stop the car and say, yeah, I just saw him. He's around the corner at the pizzeria, you know. But it didn't happen. And people didn't have hope. People were uh, not not just afraid, but they didn't have any hope. And uh, we, we began to send pastors up there just to go to the hospitals and go down to Chelsea Piers, uh, which was kind of a makeshift memorial, and just be there to pray with people. And we had, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of dozen pastors at any one time just working these areas, praying with people. And I realized after that that we needed to have something at the Billy Graham Association where we could respond to those kind of crises. But we needed to be trained, and we needed to have credentials so that we could get in. We wanted to go down to where the World Trade Center, where the, where the buildings came down, they, they locally referred to it as the pile. And, uh, but to get into the pile, you had to be credentialed. Well, uh, we went down there to see if we could go in and pray with uh, people. And so they um, uh, said, no, you can't come in. You're not credentialed. One of our uh, board members uh, was a chaplain with uh, Skip Heitzig of Albuquerque. He was a chaplain with the FBI. And so he has an FBI badge, says chaplain. He pulled this out and held it up to the police officer there at the gate. Is this credential good? And he said, yes, uh, Reverend Heisig, that's good. You can come in. And I thought, well, we need to have some kind of credentials that allows us access. And we found out that you can do training with FEMA and uh, different groups, and uh, you can get uh, certified. So today we have over 2,000 chaplains across the country that are certified so that when there's a crisis, they are, they are led into that, that crisis zone and you're qualified then to speak into counsel with, uh, with people. And uh, we've had shootings. We've had uh, floods. We've had fires uh, that we have responded to. And we can get there usually within a couple of hours because our chaplains come from all over the United States. So if there's something going on in California, well, we have chaplains in California. We, we can get there pretty quickly. If it's something in Oregon, we have chaplains in Oregon. We get there pretty quickly. And so that's just something that we have found that has been a very useful ministry. 
And so we call it the rapid response team. And it's just uh, we deploy them. Many times along with Samaritan's Purses, we go in with our hospitals or we go in with um, helping after a tornado or helping after a hurricane. These uh, chaplains go along to work and to minister within the community or those people that we're helping. So the rapid response team was born out of 9-11. To keep talking about 9-11, talk about, I'll always remember, it was after Daddy Bill died, and I remember watching Carl Rove on Fox News, and he was telling the story of the only plane in the sky a couple of days after 9-11 was the plane that was bringing Billy Graham to Washington, D.C., because he had clearance to come speak at the National Cathedral. What was Daddy Bill's message that day, and how is it still relevant today, the hope that we need? Well, the, the, whole, the whole country was grieving at that time. And uh, when they saw the, the, the buildings implode on 9-11, the World Trade Center's buildings implode, I think for many people, uh, what hope they had imploded. And my father just went up there, your grandfather went up there to reassure our nation, uh, God has not forgotten. And uh, he was able to lead the whole nation really in a prayer service. And the whole country watched uh, as my father, your grandfather spoke. Of course, he was quite old at that time, and his voice was a little shaky and a little, but I think that made people pay attention even more as he just zeroed on what he said. And I was uh, with um, CNN outside, and we were doing some commentating on Daddy Bill going in and the people coming in and so forth. So I was there with him, but I was at the CNN desk. And that was, um, it was kind of a somber uh, day. And it was very difficult, uh, I think, for all of us that day because we were pausing uh, put the pause button on our nation uh, to call on God. And the, the World Trade Center had just fallen just a few days before, and now we're at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., with the president, all the cabinet, uh, all the heads of the government were there, and uh, we were putting the pause button, hitting the pause button, and the nation was calling upon God. So it was a very important service. When you look at the nation now. It's divided. It seems every family, there's division. There's division in our churches. There's division politically, of course. But I look at the church, and I I feel like in the last two years, the church has been greatly divided. What would be your message to to the church and to Christians here in the United States? Well, I think the church has always been, has had division, Uh, even back in Paul's day, when you look in the scripture. They were divided over this person claimed this and this person claimed that, that kind of stuff. And so it just keeps going on. Uh, And I would just encourage the church to focus on the work God has called us to do. Whether we speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues or whether we believe in the rapture or uh, pre-rapture or post-rapture, whatever you want to, you know, okay, some of these things we don't know until we get to heaven and we'll just, God will straighten them out for us. But I think it's important that we, um, uh, that we don't lose sight of that we're still commanded to go into the world and preach the gospel to all nations, to the whole world. And that's what our orders are, and that we need to do that. And uh, the vision today is a lot of it has to do with styles of worship, 
forms of worship, you know, which are kind of silly things. A lot of division is uh, sometimes around how a person interprets one verse. Okay. And, but we shouldn't let that divide us from having fellowship and love and working together and so forth. Uh, we need just to keep marching forward. Again, I don't have all the answers to, to what the Bible teaches. I just know what I believe. And could I be wrong on some of my interpretation? Maybe. But I, I know that I'm a sinner, that I've been saved by God's grace, that I put my faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ, I know that if I die today, I'm going to go to heaven, not because I'm a good person or I've done anything good. It's because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross when he died and shed his blood for the sins of all mankind. And if we confess our sins and repent, turn from those sins, and believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved. That's what's important. Well, Dad, God keeps landing on your heart to do these tours across America. And this fall, you have another one, the Route 66. Tell us about it. Well, the Route 66, Sissy, uh, back in the 50s and 60s, was where a huge portion of the American population uh, moved west of California. And, um, and it went right across from Chicago, uh, down through St. Louis, Oklahoma City, Amarillo, Albuquerque, uh, on out, uh, you know, Flagstaff, right on out to uh, California, San Bernardino. So I just thought a couple of years ago, why don't we just take this old Route 66 and let's just take the gospel to the major population centers along that route. And that's what we're doing, eight cities. And we start in a, uh, about a month, uh, the end of September, and we go through in, into October. But it's eight cities, just preaching the gospel, inviting people to come, uh, bring a friend. We've got the Newsboys and Dennis Agajanian. We'll have some great... Uh, Marcus Witt, uh, one of the great Hispanic worship leaders, he's with me. And uh, we want to reach out to the whole community, and it's outside. And um, we're just going to preach the gospel, Sissy, uh, to as many people as we possibly can. Well, Dad, when you look out this uh, next year, what's your, uh, your goals for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and Samaritan's Purse? Well, we've got, um, we've got opportunities uh, uh, in a number of different countries around the world, um, New Zealand, Mongolia, we're looking at uh, Vietnam. We're going to be in Italy and Germany, uh, going back to the UK. Uh, so a lot of these, if if the door stays open, you know that's what our plans are. And um, we may have to shift again, <laughs> uh, depending on COVID. But we're still that doesn't stop us from making plans. We're still making the plans. Well, Dad, thank you for joining me today on Fearless. I know you're very busy, and a lot of people call on you needing answers and questions, so thank you, Dad. Well, thank you, Sissy. Love you, and I'm very proud of you. Thank you all for joining me on another episode of Fearless, and I'm thankful for my dad taking the time uh, to join us. But if you are struggling with fear, if you are struggling with anxiety in these times that we are facing, if you've lost a loved one due to COVID or something else, and you need somebody to talk to, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association has a prayer line 24-7. There is somebody there to talk, to listen, and to pray with you. And you can call that at one 888 388 2683. And I'll say that again. It's 888 388 
888-242-2683. Call the prayer line somebody to talk to you. Thank you again for joining me on another episode of Fearless. Follow me, Sissy Graham Lynch, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I wasn't given the spirit